It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornsheen. Well, welcome to Engage in Truth. I'm your host, John Bornsheen, and I'm the senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley. If you're turning in for the first time, Engage in Truth is a program designed to help us go deeper in the Word of God. We will have a number of special guests, and in fact, today, we have the privilege of hearing from Anne Graham Lotz. Anne is a best-selling, award-winning author, the daughter of Billy Graham, some of her Wonderful books. You'll recognize them as soon as I say the title. Fixing My Eyes on Jesus, Expecting to See Jesus, even one of her recent titles, Wounded by God's People. Anne has led an incredible ministry called Angel Ministries, and her and her husband, Danny, have three grown children and three grandchildren. Anne, welcome to Engage in Truth. John, thank you so much. I'm so glad to be with you again. I um, was greatly blessed last year at the National Day of Prayer and just getting to know you personally. So um, I'm honored to be on your program. Well, thank you very much. I know you're extremely busy. You're speaking all over the country. You've just got a lot going on. So to make time for us today, I know you'll be a blessing to our listeners. You know, speaking of the National Day of Prayer last year, really that was our opportunity to get to know one another and to be there at our nation's capital praying uh, leading prayer all across America. In fact, it was the largest national day of prayer in U.S. history with some 43,000 gatherings of prayer. Uh, but your message was so powerful. And in fact, I think it still resonates in my heart to this day and, and in Americans far and wide. You gave a clarion call to prayer of repentance. What is your sense of where the body of Christ is today in America? I, I mean, I know you have many mixed feelings about that, but after that charge, you could just hear it in your voice and its sense of urgency. Do you think you know, people responded? Uh, you know, I don't know. And um, I think I think some people did, and some people still are. The interesting thing, John, is that I don't know people's hearts, and people ask me about the state of the church. I really don't know what I do know, what I'm deeply convinced and what you heard in my voice when I gave that message was what's on God's heart. Mm. And I believe judgment is on the heart of God. I believe He looks at us in in America and sees the things that we are doing in absolute defiance of Him. And I believe we're reaching that tipping point if we haven't already gone over it when He says He's had enough. And so the book of Joel is where I, I spoke from that for that National Day of Prayer. I'm getting ready to speak again on the first two chapters of Joel. The theme is the Day of the Lord, and the Day of the Lord is a, a day of reckoning. When God mm. says, I've had enough, my patience has run out, I'm going to hold you accountable for what you have done. And so the, the antidote to the judgment of God, if, if we are coming under God's judgment, which I believe we are, the, the only thing that can be done, you cannot... Um, you cannot avoid God's judgment through a military power, economic might, politics. The answer is not Washington, D.C. It is not even the presidential election coming up next year, as, as important as those are. But the answer, if we're under the judgment of God, the only answer is repentance. And not just repentance, but, um, well, I shouldn't say not just repentance, but, <laughs> but you know, in Joel... God makes a distinction between rending your garments and rending your heart. And some people, they would come, for instance, to the National Day of Prayer last year, they hear the message, and they're fired up, and they say, Ann, that was great, we're inspired, and they turn around, and they don't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. And that's rending your garments. And, but, 
but God's saying, when you rend your heart, meaning that you, you hear a message like that, you get on your face before God, you do business with Him, you put out of your life things that are displeasing to Him, you put back things into your life that, that you know He wants you to do, and you actually, it actually makes a change. It's a conversion, in a sense, a change of your mind, a change of your heart, a change of your priorities. And, and when you rend your heart, then the, what Joel says is that who knows but that God would relent, you know, That's and right. send blessing instead of cursing. And right. that, that he would hear our prayers and that he would stay the judgment and, uh, and send blessing instead. So, I, you know, God, when he warns us, which is what he has been doing, I think, in intensity since 2001 and 9-11, when he warns us, he always, with the warning, is the, the implication is that there's opportunity to turn around. There's mm. opportunity to stop the judgment. Otherwise, he wouldn't warn us. He'd just do it, you know? That's right. So, so right now, I think he's almost at the point that he's just going to do it. And uh, I feel, uh, if I felt urgency last May at the National Day of Prayer, you can just ratchet that up, you know, <laughs> many times over for what I feel right now. Yeah, and you know, I, I know that you and I had a, an opportunity just to talk about the solemn assembly aspect of Joel, uh, of where he's calling out for m- men, women, children, yeah. young and old alike, come together, the urgency of the moment demands yeah. that we must get on our knees before Almighty God. And we've seen him do that in the past. You know, in yeah. 1857 with the revival of the Jeremiah Lamphere and the Fulton Street Revival, it just took one that led to two to three gathering in prayer, truly submitting before the authority of Almighty God, and suddenly yeah. have a million people spreading across New York and beyond and throughout the country yeah. of a true rep- repentance and return to Almighty God. I know that that's on your heart, has been on our heart as well, even at the National Day of Prayer, that yeah. we would see that kind of revival once again. You, you did mention that you felt like God is judging America. Can you, can you elaborate on that a little bit more? I mean, do you feel like it's coming in a sense of, uh, of economics and famine? Yeah. And I mean, what, what, do, you, what do you get in a sense of Every area. Yeah. In every area. I, I think we're, we're headed straight for financial disaster. In fact, if you go on you know, those websites, the, the financial people who know what they're talking about when I don't, but they just say, we're headed straight for it. You can't have $18 trillion of debt and be owned by other countries and not have that rubber hit the road. I think militarily, I, I think our, um, anyway, our, you know, our conflicts, yeah. I just read we're in over 200, I believe that's right, 200, our, our, our special ops are in over 200 countries in the world right now, mm-hmm. you know, and we don't even know about it. They're just, you know, because they're special ops, they're in there, they're advising, they're fighting, they're behind the scenes. We're involved in uh, just all over the world. Our, our battlefield is now the world, and mm-hmm. that we're in a world war whether we acknowledge it or not. And socially, you know, the, the things that are being done socially, morally, um, racially, I, I don't know that we've ever been so divided. And mm-hmm. politically, it's the polarization is... Uh, it's just paralyzing our nation. And so there, you look at every level, and, and so I see behind that a God who is backing away from us, like Romans 1 says he will do if we refuse to turn to him in repentance. Then he backs away, and, and we don't have his blessing anymore. You know, and you look at the environment. I mean, just the environmental you know, disasters that we've had in the last two years. When, when, in fact, I've just been looking it up in preparation for um, speaking 
on Joel once again, but the record-breaking disasters, whether they're earthquakes, whether they're volcano eruptions, whether they're floods, whether they're snowstorms, you know, in the last year, it's it's just uh, mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. So every level, and I, I feel like it's just evidence that God is backing away, and we're going to reach the point that he, he you know, um, it was, we've gone too far. Yeah. So I don't believe we've gone too far yet because he's put this message so heavy on our heart <laughs> to call people to rend their hearts, not their garments. And, you know, just, I, and you'll never know it, what he would do un- until you do it. And the interesting thing, John and, and Joel, is that it begins personally. Yes. You know, somebody, um, as Gypsy Smith, that old British evangelist, where does revival begin? And he says he draws a circle around himself and he makes sure that everything inside that circle is right with God. And that's where revival begins. Amen. So if we're talking about a third great awakening, it begins with me and with you humbling ourselves, praying, seeking God's face. Uh, and I think in that is fasting and getting alone with God and getting serious about our sin and what we need to do personally ourselves and make a difference, you know, change. Don't, don't just talk about it. Don't just get inspired. But we actually rend our hearts, and it makes a difference. And I'm also writing a new book on Daniel. And Daniel, it was one man who did that on behalf of his nation. And God heard that one man's prayer, and he, he delivered the whole nation from captivity. Mm-hmm. So one person who draws a circle on themselves and makes sure everything in that circle is right with God, one person can make a difference in America. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. You know, and I'm, I'm reminded too in the book of Jeremiah, as he, the Lord is dialoguing with his prophet, and Jeremiah is crying out on behalf of Israel, and God is hearing his prayers, but he keeps waiting for the people to respond. Yeah. And later on in Jeremiah, he eventually just says, "Don't pray for them anymore, yeah, yeah. even and even if my servant came." Yeah, yeah. And, they, they went right into judgment under Jeremiah's preaching. I, I, anyway, I, I love Jeremiah. And, <laughs> He never had a positive response to his message. They just went right into judgment. But That's he right. warned them, and it was God's love for them that raised up a Jeremiah to warn them. And God's raising up people now. You know, you, we mentioned some before, but uh, Rabbi Khan or Joel Rosenberg or some faithful preachers, you would be one, you know, just who are, are out there warning people and faithfully warning people. But um, And that's God's love for us, you know, mm-hmm. that he would warn us. But there comes a point that he just says, enough is enough, and you're not getting the message, and judgment falls. So. That's right. So it is on his people, Second Chronicles 7.14. Yes. It's on us to repent, right. to turn from our wicked ways, and to seek his face. Do you That's sense right. that there's a greater sort of a rapid acceleration toward the end of days? I mean, we seem to see it all over the news as of late, and, and people yes. are asking me constantly about these things, about the, the blood moons and the and yes. the harbingers and all of this. It yes. seems to be coming out of the woodwork. Yes. Do you feel like the pace has really picked up? Well, it has. Uh, even the secular world, they don't know what's happening, but they, they know that something is moving very swiftly. And I believe that the day of the Lord that Joel talks about, uh, which is an end times, you know, so it's when God holds the world accountable. I think that coincides with that seven-year period of tribulation that's preceded, I believe, by the rapture of the church. So I believe that any day, and this may possibly be the year, when Jesus comes back to take to himself all those who have put their faith in him, all those who have come to the cross. And, John, what that will do, think about it, if all the believers in the world are suddenly caught up to be with Jesus, then that will be judgment for America. Mm-hmm. You know, America will collapse. And it's so interesting. There are other parts of the world that will collapse. Europe may remain intact, you know, which is it's just so interesting when you think about the impact 
that it will have Israel would remain in, intact, and so um, which is um, you know mm. grievous because I want all of Israel to be saved, but I'm not sure that it will happen before the rapture of the church. I think the rapture of the church will trigger that that revival that we long to see in um, amongst God's people, the Jews. Wow. So. So you just think of the impact that the rapture would have, and I believe we're we're racing towards it. So I'm I look up because I believe my redemption is drawing near. At the same time, my heart is broken because my redemption is going to be somebody else's judgment. So mm-hmm. this is the time, Peter says, you know, that that we're to share the gospel, we're to pray, but we're also in. Uh, Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 4, preach the word, share the gospel, tell somebody about Jesus, tell somebody how they can be saved from the judgment that's coming. And it's coming, John, at somebody's death. You know, if they're not, if they're not covered with the blood of Jesus, they're going to step into God's judgment when they step into eternity. But you can be saved from eternal judgment at the cross, and I believe we can be saved from worldwide judgment at the rapture of Jesus when we put our faith in Jesus. Amen. So it's a time to get serious. Amen. And you know, and it's interesting that uh, you, you, I know you've, you're speaking, sharing the podium there with Joel Rosenberg uh, coming up fairly soon. And I know that he recently, I think it was a Christian Christianity Today or Christian Post, they, they put out an article about uh, some of the comments that Joel Rosenberg had made that he had even stated that potentially as many as 60% of Muslims believe that Jesus Christ is returning soon, not as the Savior, yeah. but the the one who would welcome in sort of the Mahdi, this idea That's of right. this, uh, you know, their eschatology and this, this uh, prior judgment uh, coming upon the Antichrist and, yeah. and uh, before Allah's, you know, day of judgment. But nonetheless, with all of that, to see that 60% potentially, yeah. depending on which region of the Muslim world you're in, also recognize that it seems to be an escalation, a rapid increase of the return uh, to Jesus Christ. I, I, I really was unaware that that number of the population uh, was thinking in that line. Uh, and I wonder if the Christian all, church thinks that way. Yeah, they're looking for the Messiah. You know, they, they just don't believe Jesus has nail prints in his hands and feet. <laughs> but the, the, also the interesting thing is that there is a great revival taking place in the Muslim world, and I'm talking about Muslims who are putting their faith in Jesus. And so it'll be very interesting at the rapture of the Church if a lot of that uh, Islamic world also doesn't, you know, it'd be greatly impacted because so many, many of them now are believers in Christ, and, and secret believers for sure, but but they are, and some of them not so secret. In fact, I, if I can just give a plug for my friend Tom Doyle, his new book, Killing Christians, just is released today, hmm. and it is so worth reading because he has eight stories in there of Muslims who have put their faith in Jesus and paid the price, and then he, he has in their own words their testimony. It, it is really something, and it opens your eyes to what God is doing in a part of the world that all we hear about is ISIS and some of these other horrific things, but, but God is at work in the Muslim world, and it's thrilling. He's bringing them to Jesus. Amen. Al, what were your thoughts just this past week? Netanyahu spoke before Congress, and he had some very strong words. I mean, obviously, he was, you know, sort of thanking Congress for the support, thanking the uh, the the presidents and the administration here in the United States for all the years of support for Israel and the, the democracy of Israel there in the in the Muslim region of the world. And yet he was also very strong uh, about uh, the enemy of our enemy is still our enemy. And he yeah. made a number of powerful remarks, really just setting the stage 
for Israel needing to defend itself. It, what were your thoughts on? I mean, he really kind of hit us on some of our what I suspect and, and my take on that was it seemed like you know he was trying to cut to the core here of we're being naive if we think that by appeasing. Uh, Iran and uh, uh, you know most of the Muslim world. If we're trying to appease them with trying to offer jobs and trying to offer some sort of form of economic improvement, that that somehow will squelch uh, this global domination mentality. Right. I, I really applaud him for some of his comments. What were your thoughts? You know, um, uh, when he walked into the hall, I, I just started to weep. You know, and I. I was in tears through his whole message. He began talking about Esther, and uh, because the Feast of Purim is the week that he spoke, and and Esther, as we know, was someone God raised up to save the nation when there was a Persian emperor who was going to annihilate the Jewish people, not the emperor, but the uh, Haman. And then Esther, of course, was God's instrument to save the Jewish people. And and then he ended with a quote from Moses. You know, mm-hmm. and and from from Esther to Moses, I thought it was a powerful speech, and the thing that, that thrilled me, there were two things. One, I felt like we were listening to a leader who had deep convictions and was not putting on a show. He was actually, he, he wasn't worried about polls, he wasn't worried about his re-election, he was speaking the truth um, with conviction, and then the second thing that made me just thrilled is, is the way the Congress responded, and, uh, and most of them, you know, there were some that sat during some of the ovations, mm-hmm. but most of them were were absolutely passionate in their applause, and I thought, God, I, I just kept praying, Lord, listen, do you see, would you look on this, because if we stand by Israel, God will bless us. If we back off of Israel, God will not. And and so I thought, you know, if America backs off of her, doesn't support her, if she stands alone without our help, then and I, and I thought when he said that, that was something that struck me, because he said, we will stand alone. I thought, no, you won't. God stands with you, mm-hmm. even though he doesn't recognize, perhaps, uh, the, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He, he does recognize the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and that God will not forsake his people. But if we forsake Israel, God will forsake us. Mm-hmm. So it's and, and so when the Congress erupted, they said in his 40-minute speech, he was interrupted 40 times, you know, so that's every minute just about. He, he had an applause or a standing ovation, and, and I was just praising God and rejoicing in my heart because I believe those, that applause and those ovations represent the heart of the American people. We do stand with Israel. We do want to support her. And um, and I pray that he felt that and got mm-hmm. that and that, you know, he would be strong and courageous as he said he would be, but I thought it was uh, it was like a Churchillian moment. You know, Absolutely. I felt like we were listening to a leader on the caliber of a Churchill. So it was very historic, and it was very moving to me. And now I'm praying for the impact, because then I know it's going to get spun, it's going to be dissected, and people can parse it and spin it, you know, And but we just need to act on it. So I pray the Congress will be resolved, you know, that, that it would make an, a difference in the way we support Israel and the way we stand by her at this very critical time. Well, in speaking of Israel, I had the privilege of sitting in on the Fathom Events Patterns of Evidence film, and you were part of the panel there with Dennis Prager and a number of other distinguished guests, and I I just can't see this as coincidence that more evidence continues to come out about the authenticity of Scripture 
right about the same time all of these other events are happening. Yeah. Uh, as we start to see uh, sort of a history, I mean, we go back all the way to the Israel captivity, as even Netanyahu had mentioned, with, with Esther, you know, around 500 B.C., and then Moses, 1400 B.C., and so forth. And we go back throughout time, and we're seeing a lot of that even unfold right before our eyes all over again and yeah. have this kind of evidence just keep coming out. It's just yeah. absolutely astonishing. You did a fantastic job, by the way, on oh. that panel. Well, thank you. It was, uh, you know, one of the comments that they edited out that <laughs> that I made at the very end is that one of the messages, I think, of, the, of Exodus, the story of Exodus, is that people who oppose Israel, who try to annihilate her, they need to watch out because God will defend her. And, and God destroyed uh, a world-class army, Pharaoh and his army, and and Egypt was pretty much decimated because they rebelled against what God told them to do, and they refused to let Israel go. And then God just forced, forced this, you know, forced them into a situation where they were destroyed, they were annihilated, and and it's a warning to Israel's enemies. You know, so that we see that, you know, the ones that are coming against her now. I don't feel sorry for Israel. I mean, I, I empathize with her, but you you almost want to warn Iran and uh, ISIS and Syria and some of these other. Hezbollah and Hamas, because God will come against them. You know, you, you don't come against Israel and try to annihilate her without provoking the God of Israel. That's so right. so it's a, I thought it was a very timely film. I thought it was very well done, and, and it did have a lot of messages, not just for Christians, but I think a lot of Jews are, were very responsive to that, because Exodus is their story, and it's a beautiful story of the Passover. You know, that the blood of the Lamb was shed, and those under the blood of the Lamb were saved from God's judgment, and you carry that over to the New Testament, and it's the blood of God's Lamb today, you know, shed on and uh, smeared on the doorposts of our heart and our lives, and when, when we're under His blood, we're saved from judgment, whether it comes at the rapture of the church or whether it comes uh, when we step into eternity at our death, we are saved. We don't have to worry about facing um, the wrath of God because we're saved when we're under the blood of His Lamb. Amen. Well, in our final minute, and could you just wrap up for the parent that's out there, for the, the believer, maybe they're new to the faith, and they're all asking, what can we do? I mean, we've talked about a number of things uh, of burden, of the urgency to get right before God, to repent, to cry out to Him. What is the, what's the takeaway, the hope message in this? What would be your final word of action to the church today? Well, Jesus himself gives the, the action points in Matthew 24. He says we're to watch, which is what we're doing. You know, you look at the world events and you line them up with Scripture. He said you work, which is to share the gospel. Whatever God puts on your heart, you, you just, whatever he tells you to do, you do it. And it could be sharing the gospel with a neighbor. It can be starting a Bible study. It can be getting involved in your church, uh, going on a missions trip. You just do what God tells you to do. And then to walk with Him. Peter says we're to be holy and blameless. Make sure that your sin is confessed. Make sure that you're right with God. Draw that circle around yourself. Don't talk about, well, I wish I had done this. In other words, John, five minutes before you see Jesus face to face, what would you wish you had done differently today? And and we can talk about it, and that's rending your garments, but do it, and that's rending your heart. So Amen. let's live every five minutes as though it's our last five minutes, so that when we see him, we're not ashamed. And I think one of the things we need to do is, is to pray, 
and you can just ask God, what would you have me to do in this final hour? What would you, how would you have me live my life? And don't worry about, you know, I, I know I can say this, but we do worry about our children and our loved ones, but God loves our children more than we do. He wants our children to be saved more than we do, or our loved ones. You can apply that to friends or neighbors. God loves them. So I think we just pray and ask him to bring across our path those who are ready to hear the gospel and then be ready to share it with them. And I just want to take as many people to heaven with me as I can, you know. And they, So you can't take anything to heaven, but yes, you can. <laughs> you can take people that you share the gospel with, and, um, you know, maybe you don't have the privilege of praying with them to receive Christ, but maybe because of what you said, somebody else will. Amen. And so we just want to increase the population of heaven, and as Jude says, just snatch them out of the fire. Amen. And thank you for always standing boldly on the front lines. Thank God you bless. so much. Enjoy talking with you, John. God bless you. And thank you so much for being with us today. And thank you for listening today to Engage in Truth. We're so delighted to have you with us today. I hope you were blessed by the program. This show was produced by Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley, located at 4945 Cable Lane in Southern Colorado Springs. Our services begin at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning, so we look forward to seeing you there. For more information on today's message, to learn more about Ann's ministry, Visit our website at angramlots.org. And also learn more about Calvary Fellowship at calvaryfountain.com. Again, that's calvaryfountain.com. God bless. We'll see you next week.